Please listen carefully. Welcome. You're listening to Us Examined, the podcast where we examine and explore happiness, success, and life through a different lens, connecting you to new stories and new ideas. I'm your host, Janine Manuel. Let's start the discussion. In this episode, we talk with Daniel Sheridan from the Mission Santa Maria Foundation. Dan quit his Wall Street job and moved to a new country to work on helping those less fortunate. He shares his story and the amazing work they're doing. I'm here with Dan. Welcome. Hello. Good Thanks afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are My you? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Great. Great. So, Dan, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your story, your background, how you ended up where you are today. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, as stated, my name is Dan. Um, I am a 28-year-old male from Rockland County, New York. Uh, it's a town about 25 minutes or so north of Manhattan. Um, so I grew up there. I lived there for my teenage years until graduating high school. Then when I went to college, I went to Oswego, SUNY Oswego, is upstate New York, kind of uh, okay. on the border between New York and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, studied university there. And then after university, moved back to my hometown for a little bit uh, before moving into Brooklyn, New York, uh, and lived there for about five years or so, uh, mm-hmm. working in Manhattan and a few different jobs, um, and living in Brooklyn. And currently live in Montanita, Ecuador. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a small beach town on the coast. Um, I think population of like 1,000 people or so. <laughs> so quite different <laughs> from a uh, big city of... Yeah, Manhattan, <laughs> Brooklyn, and even my hometown, which is a small town, but comparatively, it's quite bigger than Montanita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say population of 1,000, but that's, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, I think of locals, it might be, but of course, okay. the tourists and expats like myself, um, they add to the mix quite a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I've been living down here for going on about a year and a half now. Right. And you... You moved here for work, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your work and the organization you work for? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I moved here actually to be a volunteer first. It wasn't really work. It was more volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was back living in New York and working in New York, um, a friend of mine who we had had worked together and we started a a previous company together, um, he introduced me to a nonprofit that he started back in 2008 or so. Um, and the nonprofit is down here in Ecuador. So he introduced me to that. We had been working together and I was doing sort of fundraising slight, like, you know, word of mouth to get the, <coughs> the word out of what the nonprofit does. Um, it's an education based nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So got to know him, got to kind of do some work and do little fundraisers and bars, things like that, um, in the city and never had come down here. So I didn't really know it from just the name and stories. Um, so I wanted to get to know it, the people, the, the school, um, and just the, the place where all this work happens. So I came down here in the summer of 2019 for a week vacation just to get to know a little better and kind of just changed my whole perspective about what I was doing with my life and where I was headed mm-hmm. and then decided to move home, quit my job and start saving up a little bit more to move down here full time as a volunteer in the, in the children's home. So yeah, tell us a bit about exactly what the organization does. I mean, you said that it works in education. Um, 
you can tell us a bit more about what they do, what the focus is, and also what is your role. Yeah. So there's kind of two parts to the organization, I guess you could say. Um, there's a children's home here, which you could see as like a foster home. Um, there's about 85, 90 or so children living at home, age of one year old to 19 years old. Um, so these are children that come from pretty tough backgrounds, uh, circumstances of severe poverty um, or severe neglect and sexual and physical abuse. So these children are, they're court ordered to be taken from their home where they live yeah. and put into this home. And this home is run by uh, missionary sisters. So they're similar to, you could say like Mother Teresa's nuns, if I think most people are familiar with that. Yeah. Um, so these women devote their lives to working in this home, caring for these children, um, and just making sure that they are in a safe haven. They're given, obviously, shelter, food, care, love, um, the normal things that most children need it yeah. to survive and thrive um so yeah it's been around i think since like the 1970s a priest started the home um and now it's you know still in place there's some of the missionaries <coughs> who live and work there have been doing it for 30 plus years and yeah it's really just amazing to see their devotion and care and love that they give to these children that of course aren't their own they just get sent there by the judge you know so mm -hmm. it could be any day of the week that they just hear like oh we're getting five more kids or six more kids mm -hmm. and they take them in and care for yeah. them um so our foundation helps support this home um uh, for you know projects uh we've done like food drives um projects for bathrooms kitchen repairs things like that um as you can imagine with around 100 people or so living in the home there's a lot of wear and tear <laughs> that go into the uh the facilities so mm -hmm. Uh, we support some of those projects, um, but also like across the street from the home, there is a, a school, so a partial government-funded school, uh, K through 12, about 1,200 students in the home in the school, mm -hmm. and our foundation supports uh, excuse me scholarship programs for them to get educated. So all the all the children that live in the home are students in the school, and we give them scholarships to study. Mm -hmm. uh, but aside from that, we have another hundred or so students um, in the surrounding area. There's about 25 towns within the, the province that we live in mm -hmm. and we support those students by giving them a scholarship, paying for their monthly tuition, books, uniforms, bus fares, things of that nature so that um, they can go to school because here on the coast economically it's quite tough for some. Um, the I guess income that the families receive is, is quite low. They're just hitting that poverty line. So we think it's important for them to be able to go to school and get educated. And that's why we put them on our scholarship program. So right now you've got about 200 kids. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And in that, like, what's your role? You do a lot of the fundraising and a lot of the like uh, parts of the administration or? Yeah. Um, so yeah, since I've been brought on, I've definitely helped in terms of like administration, trying to get things in order from a technology standpoint, building out more mm -hmm. platforms to have it organized from our donor management system, mm -hmm. um, but also reaching out to donors, uh, speaking with existing donors and trying to find new donors, um, whether that be individuals or <coughs> organizations um, to just really keep our the money coming in to continue our scholarship program because like we said, there's about 200 right now that are on scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, but every day we're hearing of more s families that, you know, really can't provide for their families and 
are thinking of taking their kids out of school because they can't provide. So we want our foundation to keep growing. We want our donor base to keep growing so that we can, you know, continue supporting as many kids as possible to make sure they're getting educated. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what's the name of your organization? So everyone knows. Mission Santa Maria. Mission Santa Maria. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a long-term process, of course. Mm -hmm. And education yeah. is if your kid comes into the home at seven years old or something and then our goal is to get them through high school which takes you know mm -hmm. some time for them to graduate high school and then into university which we have a university program as well okay. um, it's a long a long process yeah. um, but we think yeah every year that they're of course getting educated and increasing their their skill sets um, it will allow them to one day get into the workforce um, and you know, break that cycle of poverty uh, that their families have or have been stuck in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so that's our real goal, education um, and getting them out of cycle of poverty, breaking mm -hmm. that cycle of poverty. So it's about how you measure success, because I was going to say from your work point of view, like how do you measure success? Is it like you said, do you have specific metrics, the number that go to university, or what do you focus on? Yeah, I mean, from a like organizational standpoint, of course we have numbers that we strive to hit in terms of how much money we're raising per year. Uh, we want that number to keep, keep increasing as the years go on, as we're growing and mm -hmm. dedicating more time to it, which we have been, and we're lucky to have such generous donors. Um, so we measure it that way for sure, based off financials and what we're bringing in. Mm -hmm. um, but as well, yeah, we want to have success stories of kids graduating high school and then hopefully university if they decide to go that route mm -hmm. um, and getting, getting a job in that field that they study. Um, so we have currently about nine, nine or ten students in university. Um, okay. We have recently had four graduates, um, and of those graduates, they all have either potential job offers or have <coughs> jobs that they're working in their field. Um, so we measure success like that for sure, being able to say that you know, this child came into the home at age 12, 13, mm -hmm. um, and is now 24 and has a, a stable job and income that... Yeah. You know, if they weren't maybe given that opportunity to study with us and, and go to university, um, they probably wouldn't be making that, you know, X amount of dollars that they are a month, which is mm -hmm. way more than their, their family has ever made um, yeah. from a monthly basis. Yeah. So it's not so much numbers. I mean, it's on personal stories. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. How do you think, from the kids' point of view, I suppose from the age of when they get a bit older, from 10 onwards, do they have an idea of what kind of success or happiness they want in their lives? Yeah, I think for them, they they want to see success. You know, every kid that you talk to, they're, they may be 10 years old, like you said, but if you ask them what they want to do, most of them have an idea. They'll say, I mean, similar to any kid, they want to be something, maybe not a police officer <laughs> <laughs> or a, a superhero. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, a 12-year-old kid, I remember I was talking with him just a couple weeks ago, and... We were talking about studying. He was asking me what I do for work. Um, and then I asked him what he wants to do one day. And he said he wants to be a lawyer mm -hmm. to help out people that are mistreated um, and neglected and things like that. So yeah. that's his goal. And I think, again, if we can keep him in our programs and keep him um, in school and educated, he has that opportunity. Because we do have students that study law currently. Mm -hmm. um, so why not him, you know? And he's just 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So I think... Yeah, some of the kids um, are still battling some, some issues from their past that they don't have those ideas, but there's many others that do see uh, opportunity now that they are in a, a safer environment. Um. 
kind of differences like coming from the US and now spending a year and a half here and having the opportunity to work with these kids mm -hmm. and really be very close with the community what kind of differences do you see between the cultures in terms of ideas of happiness and success yeah I mean from a I guess cultural standpoint of the US versus here <laughs> uh, especially coming from New York and mm -hmm. kind of the field of work I was in which was more finance uh, okay. kind of Wall Street based yeah um, yeah, I think everyone knows success there is measured by how much money you're making. Um, to be honest, I mean, that's really kind of the title and, and where you are in the, the ranking. Like, of, show me your paycheck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. I mean, me and my old friend, one of my friends, we have this old joke that when you're out in New York City, a lot of the times you'll just hear a question, girls or guys will come up to each other and like, what do you do for a living? And that's like the first mm. thing that they want to know. Because yeah. it's kind of like- your name. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. It's like before your name, it's like, where do you, what do you do for a living? Can I be like associated with you? You know, are yeah. you at that level of me? Yeah. It's kind of just a big, I, I don't know, societal thing that has come to. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, back there, success is, is measured by how much money you're making and how well you're doing, mm -hmm. which is good. You know, everyone wants to strive and be wealthy and, and well off and care for themselves and family and loved ones, which is great. Um, but I don't think that's the most important thing. Um, myself coming from that field, I um, wasn't making a million dollars a year, but I was living comfortably as a you know, 25 year old at the time when I was working there. But here, I, yeah, I don't think that's how you should be. I don't think in life that's how you should measure success. Now I'm living among people that make maybe $20, $25 a day, which is something that most people would spend in the blink of an eye back in New York mm -hmm. uh, or many parts of the world. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, the disparity, because the people that are making 20 to $25 a, a day, I think are working much harder, um, whether it's like physical labor or just like hours of the day that they're working mm -hmm. and are happier. They're, they're smiling more. They want to get to know you. They, they have more time to, to get to know people rather than just running you know kind of that rat race of new york city from my experience so they're uh, happier yeah Is it because of, you think so. it's the time time abundance yeah i think the they value their time with like family and loved ones more they mm. aren't you know they'll get their work done and do what they have to do but they want to make sure that they're there for their kids and their family and community mm. um which is something that you you do see in the u.s and i see um but you also see a lot of people that don't make time for family and friends and things like that but yeah I would say overall the people here yeah are quite happy they're quite um, you know, even if they're not the richest they're living in a home that most people would you know gawk at and be like how does anyone live here mm -hmm. but they're happy and they have their their basic needs and they're with their family and loved ones so so you said when you came to visit um, for one week before you decided to make the move down here what was a big yeah. like change in mindset that you experienced I mean, this was always kind of something I wanted to do was live abroad in another country and kind of get a new perspective on life. Mm -hmm. When I found the organization um, and came and visited, I just saw, again, how happy everyone was and how like, dedicated the, the women were to their work and how amazing the kids were. Yeah. Um, so I felt that, you know, I could continue in the path that I was on of the Wall Street finance type stuff and mm -hmm. continue working in that for the rest of my career be well off but I think I can have, have that a paycheck yeah true <laughs> um, be able to answer that question <laughs> yeah what do you do I do you know investment right. whatever it was. yeah um, no but I thought that I could have um, 
a greater impact, I guess, on people's lives if I came down here and helped out and built out some projects that we have and focused more on, on building out our organization. Um, it's going to, the, the return on investment would be much greater than if I stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just kind of Like thought. a return on investment in, in your life personally? In my life personally, but also those that that I'm the supporting. Like yeah, the impact that I'm having on yeah. these children. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, as we said, they come from some pretty tough backgrounds, so they have that, whether it's a trust issue or just severe emotional issues that they want they want to be loved they want attention they want someone that is there for them so mm-hmm. um the women giving their attention and love and myself o- offering it at times um i think is really is powerful for them and it's something that can have a strong impact on them that they know that there's people in their corner uh you know fighting for them working for them and supporting mm-hmm. them to make sure that they have better opportunities mm-hmm. down the line yeah, it was always about saying like, a lot of people who have been successful or you know have come from disadvantaged backgrounds to make like a, a great life say it's because right. people supported them yeah yeah of course. they'll say it's people supported them people have been their champions in their corner yeah so it's yeah one of the most important things is to have that kind of support exactly yeah everyone needs a, a lift here and there you know it's, yeah we're not all superheroes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and i think i was lucky enough to have that you know i come from a, a large family um mm-hmm. but i do come from a family of a single mother so she worked mm-hmm. um hard to always support us and make sure that we were loved and supported for and, and you know moving forward in life and succeeding despite yeah. of whatever happened in her marital status i guess yeah. um so yeah I, I had support and i want to give that back to others who, who maybe don't or don't think they do but show mm-hmm. them that they do yeah what are the kinds of challenges you see to your kids the kids that you work with um mm. achieving success so i think the the barriers that the children see here, um, whether they're living in the home or living in the towns, is that their family's kind of been stuck in that cycle of poverty. Maybe their parents didn't even graduate high school, right? They finished mm-hmm. around sixth or seventh grade, so they don't have that high school degree. They don't have a university degree, of course. Yeah. Um, so then, from a kid's standpoint, if, if you're not seeing that over the generations, maybe two generations or more, um, you probably would think... I'm not going to be able to do that, right? I can't graduate mm-hmm. high school. I can't she graduate university. It. Yeah, because yeah. it's something like so foreign to you, right? And your your neighbors didn't, and your cousins who live in a town over didn't. So it's something that's just like, well, then what am I going to do? I can't do it, so I'm just going to go, mm-hmm. I don't know, hang around and not put any effort into succeeding, right? Yeah. But if you show them that it is possible, right? If we have success stories um, from former students and we have uh, direction and support for them, then going to open their eyes to a whole new world right mm-hmm. if we teach them new skill sets whether it's technology or another language um it's going to have such a strong impact for them that their parents or grandparents didn't have but hopefully they see the value in it because mm-hmm. um, i think for us come from the u.s or the uk or countries that are i guess more well off you'd say i think majority of people could say they have some direction right they have an opportunity to speak with someone for direction about how to write a resume, how to go for a job interview, how to apply for college, things like that. Mm -hmm. Down here, it's not too present. So if you don't have that, you're just kind of lost in the shuffle and Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for you. I was very lucky and grateful that I've had a supporting cast, like we talked about, um, to kind of push me in that direction and show me how to do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's just kind of what we need to change down here. It's really amazing work. For you personally, putting aside work, like how do you... (laughs) 
define happiness and how would you define success for you? It's a good question. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> it's one of those big questions. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, I, I would say I'm a happy person. I think living here and being surrounded by poverty in a sense, I really have nothing to complain about, right? So I think that the minute things that may come across my life that are, are difficult, I really can't be complaining about because it's nothing compared to so many others, right? I have yeah. food every day that I can eat. I have money coming in that can support me. Um, I have yeah. a loving family and, and things like that and friends, which is, is really important. So my happiness right now really has grown because of what I've seen. I've seen such people struggling who are still happy and that just makes me wonder like if I'm complaining I, I'm being really dramatic and just <laughs> one of those kind of first world problems that <laughs> mm. isn't really a problem a after all. So I measure my happiness I guess by always reminding myself that I should be grateful for what I have um, and then just surrounding myself by others who I know are, are working much harder than me, fighting much harder and are so happy. I mean Mm -hmm. I have to just be happy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of measuring success, um, from my work standpoint now, my role that I'm in, yeah, I want to I wanna connect with more organizations and individuals that want to hear our story mm -hmm. and potentially support it, whether that's financially or by coming down and volunteering and giving their time. Mm -hmm. I think that will overall just create success and happiness for the world in a sense. It's kind of that pay it forward uh, mindset yeah. um, that if they come down and see how people are living and get out of their bubble of wherever it is they're living and working, mm -hmm. they'll come down, they'll see happiness, they'll see people working hard and they'll want to do the same. Kind of just rubs off mm. and giving back to those less fortunate. It's all about giving back. Yeah. And on that perfect note, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank thanks you for, for having me. Thanks uh, for sharing the story and telling us about what you're doing down here and your journey. It's yeah, really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a quite interesting year and a half for some. But again, we're called Mission Santa Maria. If anyone who's any of your listeners want to help out and donate or come down and volunteer, uh, it's a beautiful place. I think you can tell them the same. Or you can reach me at dan at missionsantamaria.com. And happy to chat. Find out more about the Mission Santa Maria Foundation and how you can support the work they're doing by contacting Dan at missionsantamaria.com or visit their website missionsantamaria.com or Instagram at missionsantamaria. As always, I want to hear from you. Get involved with a discussion on Twitter at usexamens and share this podcast with someone that you know. Let's start sharing stories.